You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit Stonegate-Church.com. Well, if you notice that I did not kneel to pray that time because I was reminded just a week and a half ago that I'm old that my body does not operate the way that it should or it did when I was 25. As a matter of fact, just a few months ago, I was reminded of this when I was in the office minding my own business and some skinny guy by the name of Dan Hutchins came in and he, and he enticed me to race him. Uh, that video is out there somewhere, y'all. Don't believe the lie. Uh, uh, so I was sitting there, minding my own, working hard, man, for God. And him and Travis, they began to, uh, to instigate, you know, me. You know, been 40 years old, and I was just minding my own business. And somehow, some way, somehow, that the idea that Dan could beat me racing came up. I said, have you looked at Dan? Beat me? Man, please, never. Let's do it. So we go downstairs. And Travis, who is the great instigator, down there with his hands up, saying, on your mark, get set. Ready? Go. I shot off. I was winning. Got about 25 yards into the race. There was this loud pop. It wasn't a, a soda, a, a soda bit open. It was my hamstring g- g- giving weight. And so when that happened, what I did notice was Dan was behind me. Now, he'll tell you a different story. <laughs> but when this hammy popped, I was ahead. Dan runs by me. Celebrate, and there I am. I, I, I am the loser of the great race that I was winning. My wife kindly reminded me that you are not the man you used to be, that you are old and out of shape. Give it up. So, uh, uh, heeding that sound advice, I put up my racing shoes and I Realize that, man, that I'm done with that. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Memphis, and I was just, man, minding my own business once again and walking down these stairs, and the last two or three stairs, my knee gave in. And I tore a ligament in my right knee. And so I went to the doctor and said, Doctor, man, whatever you can do, man, not to have surgery, he said, let's do it. I said, man, let's do it. He said, sir, you're 40 years old, you're overweight, and so we have no choice but to cut on you. Uh, he reminded me of how old I'm getting, uh, 40 and up. So there is, so, so you have a man up here, man, who is, who is, not, 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 just hear me when I say this, I am a disabled veteran. Don't laugh at me. I, I, I park in VIP section wherever I go, and folks look at me crazy, man, but I do have a severe back problem, uh, and both of my knees are kind of bad. And there has been moments in it with these physical ailments that I've asked God, God, can you please rid me of the, this pain. And thus far, he hasn't. It's a pain, pains that I'm left to deal with until God says different. In 1999, I got saved. And I believe at that time, God had also called me to to the preaching ministry. Now, if you have not been around me for knowing, you'll know if you hang around me for 20 or probably 10 minutes that, 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 there is, that I have a speech impediment. And so when I felt like God had called me to the preaching ministry, I, I asked God, God, do you know what you're doing? 
that God, I mean, kind of like, kind of like what I've come to realize, like Moses, that I'm not eloquent in, in my speech. I'm, I'm slow. My speech is slurred. And God, I didn't go to the best school when I was young. Are you sure that you're calling me to the preaching ministry? Well, I've come to realize that he has. And it's in these times of preaching God's word that he has called me to rely more on his strength than my weakness. And God has decided to use me despite the issues that I might have, which is good news for all of us in, in the room. If God can use someone like me, broken down, kind of old a little bit, didn't have such a great school uh, 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 upbringing, man, that if God can use somebody like me in my weakness, he can also use you. And in case you did not figure it out, let me, let me be the first to kindly remind you that we are, that everyone in this room has not just one, but several weaknesses. So, I, so, so, so because I love you and there is nothing you can do about it, I tell you that with, with, with grace. Hey, you have some issues. You are weak in a plethora of areas, I mean, areas in your life. And, and, and if nobody again has not told you, hey, I'm the man for the job, you have some weaknesses. But it, it doesn't take long to look in the Bible and, and realize that God likes to use people who have weaknesses. And so today we, we find ourselves in the book of 2 Corinthians. And I don't know, man, about you, but it is good to know that people like Moses and Peter and Paul, man, 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 man that, that God has used these fellows and women who have these issues. And for the most part, most Christians, we want to deny that we have them. Hey, stop denying it and live with reality. You have them, we have them. Let's all celebrate them together. Andrew Mary has this to say uh, about this idea that, that, that the Christian often tries to forget his weakness, but God wants us to remember it, to feel it deeply. The Christian wants to conquer his weakness and to be free from it. But God wants us to rest and rejoice in it. And we'll learn in today's message why. The three things I want to cover, and man, I'm going to sit down hopefully swiftly. One is what is weakness or what, how does Paul want us to understand what it is? Number two is who, how, and what is used to expose our weaknesses? And then last, what is the purpose? What does God have in mind? Uh, in the idea or area of, of weakness. So join me again in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 and I'll and read So let me give you just a little background of this. In verses 1 through 4, Paul is speaking in third person. He says, man, there was a man that I, I, that I don't know, man, but man, but this man was caught up into the third heavens. And man, this man, he saw stuff that man that, that could not be uttered on earth. Now, we understand that Paul, later on, he's actually referring to himself. So Paul gives, so God gives Paul the, these visions and these, and these revelations of himself. And so we are at verse 5 where it says, On behalf of this man, I will boast, but not, but on my behalf, but, but on my behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Paul moves from third person now to himself. Though if I wish to boast, I would not uh, uh, be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me and hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited, self-exalting, because of the surpassing greatness of the of the, of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me and to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times, he says, I pleaded with the Lord about this, 
that it should leave, verse, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made, per- for my power is made perfect in your weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, and for the sake of Christ, I, then I, content with weaknesses, insults, and hardships, and persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, he says, then I am strong. The one thing I love about this text is that Paul has great self-awareness. When Paul mentions himself having a weakness, he, again, in verses 5 and 10, he says, I have many weaknesses. I'm not the guy that has one or two. I have many of them. So I love Paul and his self-awareness, which we should also go in a sense that man, that man, that man, we need to just man live with the reality and live with the fact that man, that we, man, that we just have, we, we have some areas of limitations. And so let me first explain to you what is and what is not, and then what is this weakness. I've probably preached this text uh, out of context for, for a while. The most times when I've mentioned this text or mentioned this verse, I would, I, I've always thought of it being uh, a certain sin that, that I'm dealing with. And so I'm going to make, so, 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 so God's grace is sufficient in my sin. Well, that's not what Paul is saying here. I mean, why would Paul want to boast in his sin? Why would Paul want to boast or be content in bad, uh, bad behavior and bad choices? Paul, he's not actually referring here to sin. But I do want to remind you that Paul in Romans chapter 5 gave us this idea of what we were prior to salvation. Romans 5 and 6 says that for while we were still weak, while we were still helpless and powerless, that uh, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So here's what happens. And so, and so, so, so here, since sin is not, since, since Paul is not saying that here weakness means sin, Paul wants to remind us that, 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 that when God saved us, we were helpless that we were powerless in the idea of, uh, 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 of, of being approved and, and being accepted to God the Father. That in the area of when it comes to us being justified, declared right before God, the Bible says that while we were still weak, he did not wait till we got right or strong, that while we were still helpless, God died, God sent his son to die for the ungodly. Now, here's the oxymoron in all this. When God saved, when God justified you and I, he, saved, he, he gave us his spirit, but, he's, but he left us with our weakness. So even in the area of, of us being justified, that, we, that God did not remove our weakness from us. That's why man, even then, even then that we're being sanctified, we still carry with us weaknesses that we still are limited in our ability, man, to do anything to please or to be approved of in God. We are still helpless in that regard. That never am I, that what, what, that what I'm being saved, am I to ever think I have the ability to please in order to do what God has called me to do. That we are all left weak, Limited, unable to change, unable to do things that only God can do. As a matter of fact, God in his sovereign grace and kindness towards us, he, he, he allows situations in our life, circumstances in our life to, to even more press in us that we are weak. Here's the truth. I was uh, visiting a, a couple on Last, uh, uh, last month, and this uh, uh, guy's, guy's wife was dealing with cancer. Hardship. And listening to him, man, he, 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 he sounded helpless. 
that, man, we've, we've went to the doctors, we've spent this money, we've went to this hospital, man, listen, there's nothing that we can do. There are times when God puts us in certain hardships in life just to remind us of how weak and limited we are. When it comes to the idea of people dragging our mud, dragging our name through the mud, people slandering us, slandering our, our character, there's nothing that we can do to stop that because we are weak. When it comes to persecution, folks doing us wrong from all, from all shapes and forms of life, man. God says that, that there's nothing you can do about you, about people doing you wrong. That's just life. Deal with it. When people annoy you and they harass you, there's nothing you can do, man, but accept the fact, man, hey, man, God, you put me in this place for a reason, and we are found out in it later on. But maybe it's calamities. Could you imagine yourself being Job, having a funeral for 10 kids, money being taken away, health going bad, Wife telling you, man, won't you just curse God and die? And Job says, man, should we not accept the good and the bad from God? Job dealt with some stuff. And Job was unable to do anything to change the external situation and or circumstance. And saints, I know that, man, it seems like, man, that we've been dealt a bad hand kind of hard trying to find a good job to support from the land, uh, uh, from the, uh, 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 to support my family. I keep taking these, these wrong professors. I'm, I'm trying to skip them, man, but now I'm left with no choice, man, but to deal with this guy or this lady, man, regardless of, uh, of school. I, man, I got this hard boss that I'm trying uh, to please, man. And like, God, can, can I get a break? And God is saying no. Man, I mean, so I, man, I think for us, man, we need to all realize, man, that God, he causes great and, and severe afflictions for a reason. To remind us of how weak we are and how strong he can be. There's a guy at our, at, at, at our church who has a son who's 17 or 18, has a mind of a two, three-year-old, cannot care for himself, cannot feed, his, cannot feed himself. And he asked God for a preacher, and, and God gave him this. And man, I've watched this guy now for over almost in the past six months, almost now a year, just church-wide. And man, and, and, and to think that if that was me, I might not be as gracious as this guy is. I mean, you have a parent that now you have to take care of, that once took care of you, and now you are called to care for your parent or your or, or sibling or a child. And like, God, this is a raw deal. And God is saying, no, it's, I got a purpose in all of this. Maybe you just can't find a job. I mean, man, you, you seem to be overqualified. And you, can, you just can't find a good job. Guys, I got a purpose in this. Primarily to remind us, man, of how great he is and yet how weak we can be. But there's, there is some kind of good news that I get to later on. So that's so, 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 so this idea, this term, this idea of weakness, it means limit uh, 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 or limited or uh, 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 or the inability for us to do anything about a certain thing we would do, but we realize that we can't. But then, to add to this, look what it says here in verse 7. So you, so, so you have Paul saying, I got all of these weaknesses. And then he says in verse 7, so to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the, of the revelations, a thorn was given 
me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass. Now, God, it's, it's already cruel that you left me here with, with limitations. But now on top of that, you've graced me with, you've given me this, this wonderful gift called a thorn in the flesh. It's, it's a metaphor. But yet what Paul is trying to convey to us, man, that, that, that God in his, in his good grace, he graces us with thorns, man. With, man, with, with, man. So this idea of a thorn, a thorn back then was a tool used meant to torture people, to bring severe pain. And the Bible says that God, he gifted Paul with a thorn in his flesh to torment him. A messenger of Satan. So some have said that, man, that this thorn, it was, it was some physical. Maybe it was Paul's eyesight. Maybe it was Paul dealing with man, man, man dealing with people in ministry. So, so, but nobody really knows, but it was something physical. But the idea of, of a messenger of Satan says it was, it was also something spiritual. And just to think that God would design or assign a messenger of Satan to harass Paul seems crazy. Paul says, this messenger of Satan was assigned to me to harass me. This word harass means to discourage me, to deflate me, to take every ounce of energy out of me. That God assigned a messenger of Satan, the King James says, to buffet, to beat me to the point of discouragement. And I know if you've been saved for any length of time, we've all have experienced discouragement. One guy has this to say about the idea of being discouraged. He says, if you're never, never discouraged, you just don't care. You don't care about people or God's call. You don't even care about the world. You don't even care if you're not discouraged. He goes on to say this. If you, are, if you are a mature person, if you are a caring person, you will continually, you will be continually dealing with discouragement, messengers of Satan. On the other hand, if you're continually discouraged and always cast down, you don't know how to deal with it. You don't know the wisdom. You're not wise. Therefore, if you're always, if you're always discouraged or never discouraged, it's a sign of immaturity. Think about that. That if you're always discouraged or never discouraged, it's a sign of immaturity. If you want to understand how to deal with discouragement, he says to look at Paul. Because only God, man, when we think about God, only God can, can take something that's meant to discourage us and then to develop in us God-like qualities. Only God can take what's meant to beat you down, in a sense, to build you up. And it's like God, he says, you know what, I'm... Because I love you so much and I, and, and, and I don't want you to become a certain way, I'm going to give grace you with a thorn, something meant to torture you. And also, I'm going to give you a messenger of Satan to harass the heck out of you. That doesn't sound like a loving God, does it? But Paul says, it's to keep me from becoming Conceded. So when Paul realized this, the Bible says that Paul, he pleaded with the Lord about this three times, that God would relieve him of this. How many of us have prayed that in the midst of a, a difficult situation that God would give us a substitution or, or, that, God would, or, or that God would relieve or that God would cause or that God would get rid of this external situation rather than cause or do a radical transformation in my heart. And for most saints, not y'all in Midlothian at Stonegate, 
But most saints want to get, God, can you please get rid of this struggle in my life? And God is saying, no, that this struggle is meant to bring radical change in your life. So I'm not going to relieve you of this struggle. Man, so I'm, 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 I'm 40 years old. I probably met my father when I was 16 or 17. And for the past two or three years, man, I've really been dealing with the fact that I don't know my father deeply. I don't know my father well. And what, and what I've been praying for or, or asking people to pray for is that, man, is that God would change that. That I've been approaching the throne of grace where, where the God of all grace is present and asking him, can you please bring my father and I together that we might have a great relationship. And for the years of late that I've been praying, since it hasn't happened, I'm thinking that God is saying, no. And man, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it hard that God, I mean, that when you're praying for a good thing to happen, that God can still say, no? Because God has a bigger purpose in mind, that, 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 that somehow God, and we'll get here, that God wants us to realize that he is enough for any difficult situation. So rather than praying for relief or praying that God would rid us of, of this suffering or praying that God would replace the suffering with, with, with some joyous times, why not pray that God, will you please perform a radical change in me. Now, again, Paul, who is this, 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 to us, this spiritual giant, has this thorn, this message of Satan. And Paul, he is always spiritual. He asks, God, can you please get rid of this thing? And God, he, saying, he says, no. So now the question is, why does God allow this? Why does God allow our weaknesses to be exposed? And why does God assign to us a thorn or a messenger of Satan? Look what it says here in verse 7 again. To keep me from becoming arrogant, haughty spirit, high-headed, self-exalting. He says, I'm going to grace you with a thorn, a messenger of Satan. Now, nobody wants to hear that. But God knows what's best for all of us. As a matter of fact, it is that, 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 that when it comes to pride, it's dangerous for us all, but it's deadly to some. Look what Jonathan Edwards uh, 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 mentions here about this idea of spiritual pride. The first and foremost cause of errors that abound in our day and age is spiritual pride. This is the main door by which the devil comes into our hearts of those who are zealous for the advancement of the kingdom of God. It is the, it is the chief inlet of smoke where the bottomless pit to darken the mind and mislead the judgment. Pride is the main handle by which he has hold of Christian persons and the chief source of all mischief that introduces to clog and hinder the work of God. Spiritual pride is the mainspring, or, or at least the main support of all other sins or mistakes. Until this disease is healed, medicines are applied in vain to heal all other diseases. Now, if anybody here had a reason to be prideful, it would have been Paul. But I want to say that if you are Christian, we have a reason to be proud also. Two things I want to talk about. That if you are Christian, now we haven't been caught up in the third heavens, but you, by faith, have seen Jesus. And John, Jesus tells Thomas, you had to see to believe. But blessed are those who, who, who don't see and still believe. If you are a child of God, the Bible says that you are blessed. But having Jesus 
give us no reason to become arrogant and proud of anything. As a matter of fact, when you have him, you are not even called to judge the world. You're called to love and to serve the world that the world through you might know him. That, 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 that when it comes to you having Christ, the main thing that we should be doing is loving people and serving people. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that it is God who is called to judge the world, not us. So if you're going around judging people due to their lifestyle, their behaviors, and their sins, you are acting as an arrogant Christian. Because rather than pronouncing judgment or condemnation, we're called to proclaim the gospel with life and lips by loving them and, to, and serving them from all of our heart. Because that's what Christ did for all of us. That in order for us to have become sons and daughters of, of, of God the Most High, Christ loved us. He pursued us and he served us most at the cross, bringing us into a right relationship with Jesus. Christians, we're not called to judge the world. We're called to love the world. And the fear is that some saints have become arrogant because they have Jesus. And having Jesus should never lead any of us to arrogance. But not only do we become arrogant by having him, there are times we become arrogant by him using us to reveal himself to the world. Now, I know that some think I don't have the gift of singing. And if that's your assumption, that's your assumption. But I feel like God has given me the gift of singing. Now, many people have told me he hasn't. But I think that God has gifted me with the ability to sing to make known a glorious and great God. And if that's predicated on my singing, God can't be glorious and God cannot be great, some would say. But man, think about this. God has gifted every child of his to first to make much of him. That, 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 that your gift, it should be used in such a way that people see that they see you, but yet at the same time, they glorify God, you're our father, who is in heaven, and how many times have we seen Christians become arrogant because God uses him, uses them to reveal himself? There are Christians not here that take God's gift and use it for their own glory and not his. That's called arrogance. When actually the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Ephesians chapter 4 that God, he gifts us to equip the body and to edify the saints. That never at any time has God called, God given us gifts to exalt ourselves over others. But it's to edify, it's to equip, and it is to exalt God, our Father. As I said earlier, it was 1999, I felt like God called me to the ministry and called me to preach. And so in the year 2000, I was in this place. Uh, learning God's word, learning, I, mean, I was, man, fasting, man, I was, man, memorizing scriptures, man. And so every Sunday at, at this place, churches, uh, this church or uh, churches would come every Sunday and they would preach the gospel and they would serve us. Well, on one particular Sunday, uh, this church came in and they had this young lady preach. I'm like, is that preaching? I mean, I, in my argument, I said, she sucks. I mean, I mean God, God, I just want to give me the opportunity, God, so that I can show her what preaching is. Because the word on the block was, Valentine has that thunder. So, 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 man, so, man, so she came in and she preached. Then this other guy came in behind her and he preached. Like, man, God, God, give me the opportunity so I can, I, I can show them how to do this thing. Let me show them, God. God. God, I'm ready to show them what it means to preach. And so, to my surprise, they finished early and said, hey, is there anybody in the house that has a word from God? Everybody said at once, hey, Valentine, he has that thunder. Valentine, go up there and preach. I said, oh, yeah, it's time for me to show them what, what it means to preach. And so, man, I go up there, man, in, in arrogance, wanting to show them what it means to preach. 
And for 15 minutes of my life, I couldn't get one sentence out. I stuttered the whole entire time. They got a chance to see me and not God. It was even to the point where the man got up from his seat, patted me on my back. Sit down. (laughs) Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. And man, I went there and I sat down, man, and I couldn't wait for them to open open the gate. Because man, soon they opened the gate, I I, I took off running. I, I, I took off running. And I hid for three entire days. And God reminded me, son, people don't want to hear you. They want to hear me. And so whenever you make this thing about me, when you, whenever you think I've, I've gifted you to exalt yourself and not to exalt me and to equip and edify the body of Christ, son, I'm going to show you, I want to allow it to be known who you are and what you are without my grace. And I just think there are Christians here that think it's about you. I'm telling you, it's not. And when you understand how weak you are and how limited you are, you, my presence, you would depend mostly on God. So, so the purpose of a thorn is not only to humble or to, or to prevent you from, from becoming conceited. The purpose of a weakness and a thorn is also to produce holiness. It's quite odd to me that God can use a messenger of Satan to harass me and at the same time produce holiness in me. That God takes this, 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 this enemy of his and he uses it for him. He uses this thorn in this flesh to beat down my flesh to, to remove any ounce of strength that I might have or that I could present to God, that I come to God weak and beaten down and saying, God, I need you. That, 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 there's no strength inside of me to do what you've called. God, is to me, if you don't move now, I would never love my wife. If you don't grace me now, I will never parent my son or my daughter the way you desire. If you, Satan has beat me down so bad that if you don't do something, I can do nothing. And at that point, he says, now I can use you. Now I can use you now. When you've come to the end of yourself, God has said, now I can use you now. And man, listen to me, listen to me. And God is allowing hardship, insults, bad things to happen to get, to bring you to the end of yourself that he may be used in you for his glory. And yeah, listen, it's in those moments when you realize, man, that God's grace is sufficient, that God's grace is enough. This may be heresy, so I'm going to say this. I believe that if we, don't believe, if we don't realize that God's grace is enough, there's no conformity into Jesus. Because a lot of times what we need is something else plus Christ to change. Change this, show me Christ, and I change. Get her out of my life, give me you, I change. Change my job and give me Christ, and now I will call it. We always come to God with something else with Christ. Listen, if that didn't work with salvation, it doesn't work in you being sanctified. It doesn't work. If, 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 if it took nothing of you to be saved, it, it would take nothing of you to be saved, and then ultimately at, at the end to be saved regarding the end phase of salvation, which is glorification. Listen, for years in my marriage, I said, God, if you do something with my wife, then I, then I love her. If you change her, 
then I love her. If you change my mama, then I'll stop being embarrassed by her. And God says, son, listen to me. I'm not trying to change anybody but you. But in order son, for that to change, you have to stop putting conditions with me. We have to all come to the point that if we're going to allow God to produce holiness in us, to conform us and to make us more like Christ, we have to all come to grips and believe and say that he is enough. And how many saints don't believe that? We need the next job, the, the, the next thing, the next spouse, the next car, the next house in order for us to change it. God has said, son, daughter, I'm enough. Can I tell you something? I don't believe that all the time. After I finished preaching this first sermon, I went in the back, moped, had my little pity party. I said, son, you don't believe the message you're preaching. If nobody ever gives you a clap, if nobody ever pats you on your back, do you believe I'm enough? I'm enough. Saints, we got to believe this. If we're going to move to holiness, if we're going to grow in our faith, grow in becoming like Christ, we got to all get to the point where, 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 where we can say that what, what he told Paul and believe that he is sufficient. It's odd because Paul, they say, wrote 13 books of the Bible. Out of the 13 books of the Bible, God only broke through twice to, to talk to Paul. One, dealing with communion in 1 Corinthians 11, and this time. There are moments in great affliction, in great adversity, that God breaks through and he speaks to us. He becomes our intercessor. And he tells us, he breaks through and says, hey, my grace is, is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And it's when we realize and understand it that we can say what Paul said. If God, if that's the case, therefore, I would, rather, I, I would rather boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may tabernacle rest on me. Saints, a lot of us think that we're strong in human strength, and that's of the flesh. It's not to the point where we come to God empty and anything he's called us to do that we will experience the power and might of his grace. If you hear nothing today, hear this. He's saying, be weak so I can be strong through you. Stop hiding your shortcomings. Stop boasting about how strong in your human strength you are and start boasting about how weak you are so that I then might use that and get the glory in your life. I've struggled with this for a while, for a long time, because, man, I feel like that. I feel inadequate at times. And God said, that's a good feeling. Because when you feel that way, you now hopefully you're trusting me that I might use you. I've come to realize that John chapter 1 16 says that God is able to give grace upon grace. God's grace, he's not saying was sufficient. He's saying it is sufficient. God would never, ever run out of grace. Never. God would never allow you to get to the point of emptiness and never have enough grace to make you strong in and of himself. 
Saints, man, man, my prayer is that, man, that man, we all would, would, man, would celebrate this. As I close, I'm, I'm reminded of a story, of a certain story of, of the Bible where Christ himself struggled with this. Y'all know the story. Christ was going to Jerusalem to be crucified. He, he gathered up his boys. He said, hey, why don't y'all come with me and pray with me some? He gathered up his three boy homies and they all went there and they prayed. Matter of fact, rather than praying, the Bible says they were asleep. Luke mentioned that, man, that Christ got to the point of being so weak that an angel came and ministered and, and, and served him and, and, and gave him strength. Came that while Christ was walking to, to the cross that he said, God, and the Bible says that he asked God, his father, three times to, to, to take this cup of wrath away from me. God said, no. Could you imagine if God had relieved Christ of that burden? Could you imagine if Christ had replaced Christ with somebody else, the state that we'll all be in today? But rather than relieving and or replacing Christ, God gave him radical strength to endure and to go to the cross for the joy set before him. Y'all listen, when we look today at the cross, it is the greatest display of weakness and strength at the same time. That at the cross on that Friday, he died. Weakness. But on Sunday morning, he got up being resurrected. That strength that at the cross, we see the greatest display of both at one time. That's good news for us because the truth is we, we, we won't always embrace our weaknesses. But, but Christ did for us that when we start, that when we don't submit to the world or boast to the world about our weakness, that Christ says, I got you covered. That when, that, 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 that even to the point that at the cross, hey, I'm strong for you. And, and man, that's just because I know I still struggle with boasting, with bragging about my weaknesses. But God says, son, know this, that because of the Christ, uh, because of the Christ, uh, the cross of Christ, when God the Father looks at you, son, I never see you. Oh, weakness. I only see strength. I see perfection. I see you being blameless, spotless, without wrinkles, because of what Christ has done for us. Church, when we understand that, we can be weak. I can boast, I can delight in my weaknesses that Christ then might be made much of. Will you join me in this struggle? Because it is that. The man that meant the one thing that would turn the world upside down is Christians boasting about their weaknesses rather than their strengths, making much of Jesus. Amen? Father, we thank you for this time, and we thank you, God, for, for what you accomplished for us on, on the cross. Man, God, as, man, I mean, all of us, God, for me, man, I got physical ailments, God, that God, God, that, that, that I think that, that discredited me from being used by you. Then, God, I struggle with things, God, spiritually, like Paul, this messenger of Satan, used to harass, to buffet God, to scare. And God, sometimes he wins in my life. But it's good, God, to know that I can come to a, God, to a, to a good father who loves me so so much, God, that in those moments, he supplies great amounts of grace on me and for me, God, to, to get me out of the rut I've put myself in. This morning, we come thanking you for grace. Your ability to do what we cannot do, and also the grace to remind us of what you've done for us over 2,000 years ago. Because, God, here's the truth. You will not always move. Sometimes you simply will remind us of what's been done for us in Christ, and that's grace in and of itself. Help us 
to be weak. Help us to brag, to, to delight in, to make much of our weaknesses. That Christ and his grace is made much of. So with that being said, today we're going to partake of, of the Lord's Supper. I mean, it's just a great time that if you've experienced pride in any area of your life, that you've tried to do something uh, uh, apart from God, when the Bible says that we can do nothing apart from God, that we, bec we become spiritually proud. The Holy Spirit is faithful enough to examine us and to cause us to confess and turn and to repent of that sin. So if you're saved, man, and, and, and we're asking the Holy Spirit now to just to examine the room, to examine our hearts, and if you are, and if there's any sin that He's going to bring to mind, we pray now that you would take this time, confess, repent, and then partake of this feast on Christ. If you're here and you got kids with you, and man, you won't, man, this would be a great time. If your kids are not saved, in order, uh, it'd be a great thing for them to walk with you that you might share with them and talk, talk to them about what's been done here in, the, in this moment. But if you are not saved, man, we ask that you would take Christ. And if that's you, man, there's a, there's a table to my right, to my rear, where, man, there would be people that are ready to pray with and pray for you. So here, there's, there are two tables, my right, my left, in the back. When you are ready to partake of the Lord's Supper, you can walk down the aisles and you can, and, and, and you are asked then to partake of the Lord's Supper. God, God we thank you and, and, and uh, we love you. Help us. Help us to be weak, that your power might rest on us we then might be strong. We ask it in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas. For service times, additional audio and study resources, as well as information about our church, please visit us at stonegate-church.com.